Hey, everybody, welcome back to the cast. Thanks to those of you who have taken the time to listen and send in your questions and feedback so far. We really appreciate it, and we're looking forward to covering that on next week's show. As for this week, Lee is back with us, and we've got a very interesting episode. So if it's your first time hearing the cast, you picked a great week to jump in. Enjoy. short segment that was Leah's idea and it's called hot takes so I guess we're just gonna spit out our hot takes and uh, see if we get riled up at each other my hot take is that we should stop singing reckless love because I'm sick of it my hot take is scrambled eggs suck <laughs> Sam you're quite passionate about that one I was not expecting the the oomph there but uh, all right you have to be passionate hot take waffles better than pancakes 100% Ooh. My hot take is that CEOs should not make more than $347,000 a year, which is the same amount the prime minister makes. Hot take, men should groom their eyebrows. Hot take, social media fasts don't really count. Uh, Hot take, the Catholic Book of Worship is a better collection of songs than the entire Hillsong body of work. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Okay, Sam. Okay. Hot take, the spoon uh, is the best of the cutlery. Why? <laughs> you can use a spoon for anything. You're not going to eat soup with a knife, but you could cut bread with a spoon. Could you? I've never tried that. What about like the grapefruit spoon where it's got like the serrated edge? What about it? It's better. It's a spoon, so it's good. Okay, so it still counts as a spoon, right? Like it's not like a hybrid spoon or knife. It's... No, no, no. Anything with the... with spife? the With the concave receptacle form counts as a spoon. That's a hot take. So, so Sam, uh, you seem to be quite passionate about this whole worship thing. Tell me about this Catholic uh, songbook that you love. Uh, so when I used to go to Mass a lot, I just really dug those songs. Um, and like Some of them are kind of cheesy, but they're like endearingly cheesy. Like There's one called um, All Are Welcome, and they used to always uh, sing it at the uh, orientation investiture ceremony when I was at St. Jerome's University, which is a Catholic university at Waterloo. And that one, like, that one just, I don't know, it was catchy, it was nice, and it just makes me feel so good. And uh, there's another one called Go Make a Difference. And it's like, it apparently, was, I think it was written in like the 60s or 70s. And it was just bunch very... Of hippies. Yeah, a bunch of hippies. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. It was like, it was like the hippie, uh, the Jesus music kind of thing. So, uh, I don't know. Those those spot, those songs are just very nice to me. They Yeah, so then what is the aggression? I just feel like hot takes need to be delivered with some oomph or else like they're not really hot takes. Like I need to really stand behind them a little bit, you know. Well, yeah, so that's fine, but then yeah. explain your aggression now post hot take. So, are you asking to me to explain my aggression because I'm not normally an aggressive person? Is that 
Well, it just felt like for someone felt like who I had is, an axe to grind. Yeah, kind of. Like? I feel yeah. like there's something behind there that you're like, I've been waiting to let the world know that I hate Hillsong music or something. I don't. I don't. Definitely don't hate Hillsong music. I think. I think a lot of it's kind of mediocre, and I think a lot of it's very samey. And I mean, I also want to clarify something. The Catholic Book of Worship is like it's just a whole bunch of songs by a bunch of different writers that they happen to sing in the Catholic Church. So there's a bit more variety there. I don't think there's a lot of variety in Hillsong's music. It's all kind of like a Coldplay light kind of, you know, four chord pop music essentially. So then some are of the you songs are great. More critical of the church music in general in the modern time because you could argue that about any major you, worship you're band. right um i would say broadly yeah but i mean i would be critical of it in the same way i'd be critical of just like a lot of you know radio guitar music i think um i i think a lot of it is very formulaic i don't think that's necessarily unique to the church like i don't want to single out christian artists necessarily for this think a lot of songwriting nowadays is very formulaic very repetitive doesn't take a whole lot of risks and i also don't want to paint it all with the same brush because there are some like there are some hillsong songs that i think are really good that i really like there's some bethel songs i think are really good i really like it's usually just like there's a couple per album that really resonate with me and the rest i'm kind of like ah, this is really forgettable kind of heard this before sure and um well is it is it the place of worship music to take risk like, what do you mean by take risk, maybe? I think, uh, I mean, you know, not just rely on the same verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, and, like, those chord progressions that we've been using for ages. Like, it'd be just interesting if uh, people could, you know, branch out a little bit more and just... And, and I get it. Like, worship music kind of has to be congregational. It has to be easy to sing together. That is really the aim of a lot of it. And that's fine and good and i think you could i mean if you look at like old baptist hymns they actually have this exact same problem and i'm not going to say that this is like a new phenomenon a lot of worship music throughout history has so for you it's more about the musicality of it because it was interesting because the way you're saying that leah earlier off podcast recording off the air what what, what do we call that i don't even know off the mic whatever uh, off mic off mic was saying that that she doesn't really want to sing so will I anymore because it's more lyrically heavy. Mm. It would be a little more riskier for a worship song, and so I wouldn't say it's riskier for a worship song. I think it's just too wordy. <laughs> poorly, yeah, it's too wordy. The 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 tune of but it the, and like the isn't the that sort of breaking the pattern that Sam's saying is not awesome? That it's more it's no there's not a lot of repetitiveness. It's more of this lyrical exploration of who god is and who we are in relation to that sure i i don't mind listening to it but i find like sam was saying like communally worshiping to it i find like i'm not really i'm focused i'm like looking at the screen trying to read and remember all the words it's too work like there are definitely there are definitely like artists like will reagan i would say sort of drifts away from the classic like hill song four chord progression like typical christian music so you can definitely have um like um, a more risky Christian song, but done in a in a way done well, I guess. Which I don't think so well. In my opinion, it's not done well. But I know people who love it. Yeah, I, I think like for me, like I will admit, I kind of want to have my cake and eat it too a little bit here. And I don't even think that like which kind again, of cake? The whole the whole thing about red velvet cake. Hot take. Red velvet cake's the best. The whole the whole thing with the Catholic Book of Worship is like it's. 
I don't think that those songs are necessarily even that risky or challenging. I think I maybe just enjoy the fact that they don't all sound the same because they're written by a bunch of different artists and because they're performed much differently and it's for a different setting and, and et cetera, et cetera. I, I think, I do think worship music does need to be congregational if it's going to be played in a church setting. And so I understand that there are limitations inherent to that. And I don't, like I said, I, I don't expect all of it to be like, so will I, and I like, so will I, I actually think it's, like once you know it, it's pretty. Okay, my <laughs> issue is not that I haven't memorized it enough. No matter. Okay, I was talking to I was talking to Emily about this. She was like, every time the song "God I Look to You" comes on, she's like, I know I've listened to it so many times, but every time, she messes up. Give me vision and give me wisdom, and she always says, "Give me vision." And I started doing that. <laughs> the issue isn't I didn't memorize it enough. The issue is it's too wordy. No matter how many times I listen to it, I'm never gonna remember it. Yeah, I, I, I think I have that problem with some of those songs a lot, too. It's just like, yeah, the words that sound so similar, you can really easily stumble over. But um, I don't – I'm not going to tell worship writers that they need to, like, maybe change the way they're writing songs. But I do think they've gotten really comfortable and complacent with the formula that has been working and that people – most people are really receptive to. Um I just, I'm kind of an old soul in this regard, maybe. And, and like, I also, like, if I had it my way, we'd be singing Hillsong songs and, like, old hymns and stuff. Like, I actually, sometimes Ivan will do that, too. Sometimes Ivan will lead uh, um, How Great Thou Art, and then he'll, you know, he'll do that along with Behold, and I love that. That's, like, the best stuff to me. So, um, I don't, I definitely don't want to impose my conception of what it should be on anyone else and i realize that my expectations are kind of unrealistic but i don't know that's just what well, the, the funny thing to me is that this is just the the ongoing what people have called the worship war in the church right because in a generation from now right when our kids are talking about worship in the church and what does it sound like mm-hmm. you know we will remember these songs as like the good songs. Yeah. When yeah. when my emotions were just strung up and, and it's like being able to say, you know what, the point of the worship is to make much of Jesus. And that if I don't sing with the same amount of emotion in a hymn as I do a Hillsong song, then I've actually Hillsong made <laughs> and I've actually made it more about the song than, than the object of that worship. Yeah. Right. I think that gets into the thing where like, mm-hmm. for me, when I think about church worship, like, again, I understand the, the, the critique of simplicity, but simplicity does lend itself to congregational. And, and I would argue that simplicity musically and simplicity theologically need to be different because yeah. a simple theological song, it can be good. It's, 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 but, a heavy diet of simplicity in, in our theology would not either produce a depth of worship that we would want. Right. But I still think that if, if you cannot be someone who can honestly worship in all environments based on what you are singing, mm. then you, they do actually a worship issue underneath mm. it. Right. Yep. That's fair. Um, and I think like I actually, to that point, that's a really interesting point with regards to worship. Cause so I've talked to, to Catholics that don't even know that Hillsong is a real church. They just know the songs because there are actually Hillsong songs in the Catholic book of worship sometimes or certain editions of like whatever Catholic 
uh, hymnal they're using. You'll see like oceans in there sometimes, stuff like that. And people don't even clue in that. Like, they just think Hillsong's a band, like Hillsong United. That's what Hillsong is. And um, which I actually thought for a long time as well. But so there's a there is like an incentive almost for a lot of those songwriters to maybe not go too deep into theological into theological waters because there is like a benefit to the songs being so ecumenical that they can be sung in every church ecumenical so like catholics can sing it we can sing it and calvinists can sing it ecumenical e-c-u-m-e-n-i-c-a-l Right. I in fact checking you. We'll go with it. All right. But no, it's it is true that there has there is a scope there that I think is 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 good in a sense, right? Because yeah, if they went too specific in their theology, then it would limit what they could sing. And I and I think we have to be aware that they are a band as well, right? That is argued or not, trying to you know make money, get plays, and go as far as they can. You know what's interesting though is I remember when. Uh, it would have been like five or so years ago. Oceans was still like the song. Yeah. And I was listening to the radio and one of the people said that Oceans will be added to like the Christian hymnal that in 500 years we will be singing it. They think it's that good of a song. Any thoughts on that? It's some random person on the radio. Like I, I actually, so I didn't really listen to Ocean because I don't listen to Christian radio. I didn't hear Oceans until I had to, we had to do it one time. Uh, for worship, Ivan included as part of the set list. So that was my first exposure to hearing Oceans. And like, yeah, I actually think it's a really good song. I think like musically, uh, lyrically, like just as a piece of popular Christian art, it's pretty awesome. Um, so that's one of the good ones, I would say. Yeah, that song is hard to sing though. Like the range, it True. I can never, I'm always like, it's either way too high or way too low. Um, that was not your question, but wait, <laughs> what do I think about it? Like being a hymn in 600 years? Is that sure, what you're yeah. asking? Um, yeah, I honestly really don't care. <laughs> like we won't be here. So you want to still sing it? Go ahead. Yeah. I don't but know. The thing I think about is like, you know, what will worship music sound like in even five years from now? Right. Like with, with the young and free coming up and more like that electronic oh, sound, cannot right? Cannot stand young and free. <laughs> but that's the thing is if, if the, if the youth that are in the church now will be setting culture, yeah. right. That is where worship will inevitably go. And the question really for the church is, do we get ahead of that or, or, or do we wait? Right. Like, should we be having more of that in our services? And I would probably argue, yes, not because necessarily I like it, but because I think that, we can be the ones creating mm. that a little bit. And, and I think there will always be the place for the songs that we sing in that kind of nostalgic sense, right? Yeah. Like we, we, we joked about doing like a 90s worship night because it just, <laughs> all those songs just hit us and just be like, we're going back there, oh, right? Man. But like that will be what these songs are now, right? 2019 songs. We should do a 90s worship night. Right? That'd be so fun. You know, so I think we just got to be thinking about that too is, is everything that we hold nostalgic in worship should never trump ultimately the object of worship. I think that's where things get tricky is because will I like the music in 10 years? Hopefully I stay relevant and I like it, but I might not. But if they will sing it, right, we should. I think that's kind of an interesting thing, almost going back to Leah's book though. Like, am I loving what I think I'm loving? Do I just love the song or do I love the God that I'm worshiping? But I think you can have preferences too. Like you can have, like I personally don't like a lot of Hillsong Young and Free either just because I don't like worshiping to like pop music 
because I think it's like it's it's trying in my opinion it's trying really hard to be a pop song and whereas sure. I'm I just per, like my personal preference yep. is more slower songs but um because that's where the spirit moves guys yeah Ooh. space for the spirit it's so true God only likes it when you sing slow songs that's true <laughs> he told me um <laughs> no but back to what you're you're saying yeah, I think, no, I think that the heart of what we're all saying, we're all on the same page saying, like, you can have your preferences, but, like, you should be able to worship to any song that is, that, like, has good theology within uh-huh. it. 100%. No matter, like, what genre necessarily it's in. Yep. And I think, again, it's going to depend a lot on the church culture, so that's where preferences can come. Because if you are an older church, you probably shouldn't be playing young and free, like because that's because like, you're gonna do it poorly, probably, and then people mm. are gonna, and then all of it gets lost. Does that but, mean that we do hymns poorly? Uh, well, no. Ivan does <laughs> them great, <laughs> actually. Ivan does hymns well, but I think that's different because that's going back, right? Not going forward. Is when when you're trying to be on the edge of this thing and no one in your congregation likes it, because there is a preferential thing there, right? Like because it's new, because not it's because new. it's objectively bad. Yeah, because again, when when it comes to music and art, we've talked about this. It's like it's very subjective. It is yeah. right, but I think that's where there's a deference in the church to the generation coming. So I've had this conversation with my dad before, and believe it or not, I was actually taking the stance of defending Hillsong a bit here, um, just because he was he's voiced to me his preference for the old hymns, and the thing he kept coming back to. Like, I think he was brushing aside personal preference, but that's ultimately what I think it was all about. But he was saying, like, the theology is good and the the message is just so simple and powerful. And then I was like, well, yeah, but look at the lyrics to this song. And, like, to me, it's just as theologically rich as this old hymn that you really like. And I, I don't, like, so I don't think that that really is ultimately the issue most of the time. Now, some worship songs are kind of theologically thin and so are some hymns and so are some hymns i'll fly away is not a great theological there's some bad hymns man but this is where i don't think it's it's think it's nostalgia that's what it is these are the songs i've always sung and the thing is these are the songs that i sung that connected me to jesus in this very special way and now this young guy comes in says no that's not a good song what it was a good song. It actually yeah. met me, and I want you to meet Jesus. And the heart should be, I want you to meet Jesus the way I met him in this song. If you get that in your song, well, let's do that. And there has to be a mutual uh, submission to that. But I think like, whenever I've wrestled with this issue in, in different spaces, because you know I have had to deal with this in some spaces, right? the arguments would be, well, it's theologically weak, it's, and it's, it's, it's dumb. No, they're not. They're, they're theologically equal. right? There's some good, some bad, some really bad, some really good. It is, a, I find, a matter of nostalgia. This is where I met Jesus, and now you're telling me that was bad. And it's not that I think it's bad. I just don't think it's, I don't like it. And I don't think the modern culture has that same experience, which is why the way that we joke about a 90s night, have a hymn night. Do it. and Do yeah. all hymns for as long that'd as be, you want. That'd be fun, too. Right? I'd be right behind that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be, be a party, right? But I think we just got to be able to do that in, in the church where at the end of the day, this isn't really about what I like to sing. It's that we the people are singing. And like I do think missionally it should sound as culturally relevant as we can without sacrificing. And so if that's excellent music and excellent lyrics, like yes, like why not? And again, what's excellent music? Fine. But culturally, generally speaking, if you're in a you know, if you're in southern Texas full of cowboys, have some country music in your church, right? 
Like yeah. I think that's that like you should. Why would you not do that? Right? If you are in like the like the urban core and you don't have some kind of hip hop kind of rap flair, like why would you not? That's what they listen to, right? Speak Jesus into that space. And if you're in the modern, you know, Canadian context where it's generally just radio music, like your church should sound like similar. Coldplay. Like Hillsong does. And they they do that well. And then you throw in the elements that are different on purpose, right? And you bring those, those anyways. I could talk about worship for a long time because I it's been part of my pastoral journey. So uh, my wife and I, we've been uh, married for about six years. I've been with her f- dating almost 11. So like I'm 28. So I met her when I was about 17. So I sort of skipped the whole like early 20s dating thing. And then even now in the modern world, Instagram, dating apps, all this different stuff. Like I, I often give advice to, you know, Christian singles on, on dating principles and things like that. I have, a, I have a lot of opinions on, but I'm not currently in that world. And so as sort of modern Christian's, single, I'm assuming ready to mingle. What's that like? What what are some of the fears, some of the issues, some of the trials? What are some things that like you do legitimately need to wrestle with that Jesus speaks to on a, on a, like on the daily maybe or weekly or monthly, depending on you know where you're at? Yeah, I mean I think you just gotta learn to be really patient. I like I uh I don't know. I I don't know. I'm really not the best person to ask about this just because I don't I don't really make a huge effort to chase this down, I wouldn't say. I mean, I've been on the apps before and whatever, but like I like don't Like which ones? Uh so I'm not Tinder cuz you Good. can't. Good. So, just put it out there. So the thing with like There's a hierarchy. There is. So like so once like Bumble and Hinge, you can like actually find Christian people on there. You can like filter by religion. Quote um but I mean, I've been on there before and I end up swiping left on like 99% of people. And, uh, which is, it's just, I don't know. No one catches my eye on there. And it's like, it's cause you're not meeting them really. You're but not really getting to figure that out what they're like. catches my eye. So, so like, like that's the thing is it, it's like, is, or, or are you, I think like more so in the world of this superficial encounter <laughs> there's a barrier there, right? Like, it's not, you can just talk to them. So it's like, do I even want to spend the energy to like talk to this person online and then try and set up a date and then, I don't know, and then spend more energy trying to get to know them. And I think a lot of it's just like exhaustion and laziness. It's just kind of like, I don't want to put the effort in. So I'm just going to swipe left unless it's like, (laughs) like, and here's the thing, like how attractive someone is, is ultimately your first impression of them. So it's like if they don't make an immediate first impression on me, in that setting where all I can see is pictures of them, I'm probably just going to carry on with my day. Yeah. I personally don't like dating apps at all. Why's that? Well, okay, many reasons. I don't think – well, first of all, yeah, what you were saying, like looking through someone's pictures online and just like swiping through them and – totally like basing who they are as a person off of their looks not that that's what you're doing but you are you're just judging people and Mm -hmm. swiping like inherently just feels wrong like I don't feel good about myself when Mm -hmm. I do that um secondly I don't think I don't think the person that I'm looking for is necessarily going to be on a dating app Mm -hmm. like as as someone who is like plugged in to a local church and like serving and has a community there Hopefully that church is growing 
if it's alive, like slowly, maybe sure. But I don't think, why should I, as a Christian woman need to go on an app and mm-hmm. find someone miles away who will like, oh, maybe he'll like come on the weekends and like pursue me. And like, look, it says he loves Jesus and he likes coffee and the office and sarcasm. That's a whole personality. That like, is, that's literally like 75% of people. On uh, it seems apps. like you yeah, are, you're, you're quite invested in this. I'm not invested in it. Be- Here's the thing. Yeah. I've been on, I've been on hinge for like three days. <laughs> I deleted it after three days because yeah. I was, first of all, well, it's me judging people. Everyone on that app was boring as heck. And it, it's terrible for your own self-esteem too. Yeah. And people are doing the same thing to me. Like, eh, ugly or not ugly. Great. Or yeah. like, yeah. True. So like, I just don't think you shouldn't need it. If you are like in a community, there should be single women and single men there. And if you're looking for a relationship, there should be single men there who, if they're looking towards marriage, they will pursue you. I hope so. Yeah. And I would agree. Like, I think like as much as I, I've been on dating apps, like I've never really looked at it as like, like this is probably not going to lead anywhere. I'm keeping the door open, but it's honestly the least of possible venues I have for meeting someone. And I agree like within the church is like, I hope I meet my future spouse at church. Like that to me just seems like the most uh, natural and appropriate place to find someone. And why do you think though people, um, maybe find it hard to be content with that kind of approach of just, I will look in my community for this. I think they see, they feel a sense of urgency a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think like in your case, you got married pretty young. Like you were yeah, three years. Yeah. And you had your first child when you were my age, right? You were 24. Yep. Yeah. So people see that and there's comparison and they're kind of like, well, I should be at this life stage right now. Cause I'm, the same age they are and uh that's not really fair i mean like my my younger brother got married at 21 like he's younger than me and he's been married for over a year now so i don't know i think i think that's actually been one of the things that's made me content with it because it's like well we're just at different life stages he met the person that he wanted to marry when he was 21 i haven't yet and that's okay yeah i think also it's just like it's a lot of work and it's gonna be it's going to be harder. Like we're in, like everybody is on their phones. Everybody's using technology, blah, blah. We're in a technological age. So like, it's very easy to download an app and just double whatever, hit a picture and be like, yeah, that person. And then maybe I'll talk to them. Maybe I won't blah, blah, blah. But like actually like spending time to get to know somebody like, going after like maybe you like pursue friendship first or like spending actual time like face to face with someone it's like gonna require more work and I think people are just lazier maybe today and they're like well like yeah I could just look through 20 girls on my phone right now super or 20 dudes on my phone right now like and blah blah blah. that's how I'll get my like fix for the day of like I like people just want to be validated like when somebody Here's what also I didn't like about being on that app. When somebody liked my profile, I was like, yes! <laughs> like, I was way too happy about it. And then I would look at their profile and be like, oh, you suck. <laughs> like, I didn't like myself on that app yeah. either. And I don't want to give, like, it's just another outlet hmm. um, to, like, feed my ego and be like, ha, I'm validated. People like me. And it's like, no, like, that's those people don't hmm. even know you. So, like, on all the stories that have shown that like a dating app or a dating website has worked in the past 
Mm-hmm. Is that the reason why? Then you're like, well, it's an option. It's the reason I keep the door open, yeah. Because it has worked, yeah. but... Yeah, but, like, has worked. Like, long-term, what are those stats? Like... I don't know. I just know a few people that... Well, yeah, okay, to be fair. I do know people who have met on dating apps. <laughs> and it's worked fine for them. But I feel like that's definitely the exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. Like, most of I've the definitely people... found that more people that I know met in person, school, church, whatever it was, than on, online, for yeah. sure. Um I think online is a tool. Like I'm like I basically met Emily and then Facebooked her. So I didn't use it. I'm not saying it was brave or wise. Like talk to the girl face to face, bro. But um Well, do you think like I should lower my expectations of that then? Like, oh, so somebody like just messages me on Facebook or whatever. I should be like, Yeah, okay. <laughs> it depends. Like so I would say that if if there's absolutely zero context for them, then it's like, well, is it like, how did you meet me? Like, what? Like, I want to know what happened. So I like one one of my cousins had this happen where, I think it was, I can't remember if it's the guy or the girl who just randomly was like, hey, I met you at this one event, and you know, I just want to reconnect or something like that. And they're married with a couple kids now. And then, then it worked. So I'm not saying it can't work. I would recommend if some, if my daughter came up to me and said, hey, dad, um, some Joe just Facebook. What's going to be in the, I don't know what's going to, what Instagram, app. probably. Some Instagram. No, it's going to be, be Edmodo. <laughs> Whatever. <TikTok>. Some, <laughs> some LinkedIn. Some, some new social program, right? Not program. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, regardless. She's We're like, dad, young. dad, some guy just hit me up in a message. I'd be like, where do you know him? How do you know him? Is he in a church? Yeah. And if it's, it's like, I don't know who he is, I don't know where he's from, and I have no clue, then just let it go. Like, for us, I think, like, for me as a dad now, it's a little different. Where if I was, if I didn't have any kids and it's just like, you just got to meet people, yeah, why not? But it's like, no, that's my daughter, and I'm going to want better for her than just some random guy on a Facebook page. Yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't work, but I'm saying, like, if, especially with the church community, because this is where I thought it was interesting, is that I think the reason, now again, this is going to, I'll make some nuance a little bit here, is in certain church communities where maybe things are not progressing in the, you know, up to the right growth track and things like that, that it might be difficult to find, you know, quality spouses. Um, But in a general church community where there's a lot of young, I think the issue for me when, when I'm looking at it is are we valuing and attractive to the wrong things? Right, like if I'm in a church community and I see a young man or a young woman who is loving Jesus, loving people, serving the church, growing in faith, using their gifts, showing aptitude of, of maturity, and I'm like, ah, but you know, this girl's more attractive. I don't know. I just think that that's kind of weak as a Christian, right? Like, especially when at the end of the day, I know like the Bible is so explicit beauty is fleeting, right? But finding a woman who like fears the Lord. That's what we want, right? Or finding a man who knows how to love Jesus. Like, and so I think, to me, when I see that, I think it's kind of that even epidemic of we do really want, potentially, um, at least on the surface, some, some of the wrong. We don't, we, don't, we don't see the value in our own community because we're looking past them to yeah. what is somewhere else. Not to say that attraction isn't important. Like You should hopefully find your spouse attractive. But is there deeper things and obviously the well, answer is but like, yes, I think, but I think like, it's, I think it works on two levels though. Cause like, if they don't think it's just physical attractiveness, like I think it's like, do they connect with you on the level that you would hope a spouse would connect with you? And I mean, 
I don't know. Sometimes I sometimes I wonder if I'm like too selective about things a lot. And uh, what do you find yourself selective on? If we're gonna be real, uh, it would be person personality and like kind of what they're into would be a big thing for me. Physical attraction would definitely be something I'm selective on. Um, I definitely have a type. and I will not ask you for that type. Don't worry. Sam. No. Okay. That's good. And uh, you kind of get into this thing where like, if I just wait long enough, that person will come along. And, and do you think there is in a romantic hope of just that like the doors opening and the light shining? It's like the one girl just walked in the door kind of thing. Uh, or in one fella <laughs> for you, Leah. Yeah, I don't know. May, yeah. Like maybe I don't. I don't think it's gonna really be like that. Like I think, I think it would it would develop slowly, kind of. Like I, I don't think it would be some kind of instant like wow moment. Um, I don't know. I, I think relationships and friendships in general take time to develop too. So it's like, it's like the person I'm gonna marry could very well be at Risen City right now, and I just haven't gotten to know them yet. So it's like it's not. It's there's a lot of things at play. It's like I haven't. Maybe gotten to know some people as well as I should have. The right person hasn't come to church yet. And I don't know. I'm not, I'm trying not to stress about it. I don't think I do stress about it a lot. I think any valuable relationship or friendship has just kind of happened because that person was supposed to be in my life. I don't like that's almost predestination what I'm talking <laughs> about there. But, but like, that's not what I mean. But, um, or is it? Or is it? Maybe I'm becoming a secret Calvinist. I don't know. Leah, what do you think? Okay, well, you said the right person maybe just hasn't walked in, which I don't know how I feel about that. Because, like, if you look at the Bible, I know it doesn't say that much about dating, but they didn't, like, it was, it was like, uh, what do you call it? Arranged marriages, basically, it was, wasn't it? Yep. And, yeah. like, what was the divorce rate? Like, you could argue that there. Jesus talks about how they used to give divorce certificates because of the hardness of the men's heart. So you could argue that it was sure, sure, but it wouldn't be any worse than it is oh, today. No, 100% not. So like, what was like biblical marriage based off of? It wasn't based off of finding the right person. It was these two people both find attractive the things that God finds attractive, mm. and I mean they can make it work. So like. That's not the romantic idea that our culture wants, but like I've heard it, I've heard a few people say like, yeah, like my, my spouse isn't the one. Cause like I could make it work with another woman who loves God. Like it just happens that we're like, which is a horribly unromantic and not the best thing that you want to hear. But like, but it's truth. Yeah. That's the thing is even on Sunday we were talking and I made this point very quickly um, that soulmates are made, not found. And I think that's the, that's kind of like the modern twist is that like we believe there is this soulmate thing. And, and as unromantic as it was, this is going to like, just to give my story a little bit, because again, my story is a little bit unique. I met Emily so young and we're together now. But one of the commitments I made was like, as unromantic, like I choose you. Like I feel like we're supposed to be together. So like I told her that like I I'm, I'm commit to love you till I die. And then we got married five years later. Like that was just part of it. It's like I'm just gonna choose to be the, the this one woman man and try to do that for the rest of my life. And could it have worked with other people? Of course it could have. But when we use wisdom in choosing a good spouse, commitment, faithfulness, like a, a soulmate, is this modern idea that I actually think the deeper it gets into our heart, the worse marriages we have. Mm. 
So what made you choose Emily though? Because I mean, that's the thing. Like I could just choose someone. I could just do that. But I'm kind of like, <laughs> Leah just made a gesture. Um, yeah, no, 100%. I, yeah, and here's I, the thing. You could. I honestly believe that. Now, I think because marriage is love at work. That's how I've said it before. It's like you have to put effort and you have to choose to be selfless. And, and this is where I would say the strict kind of like arranged marriage thing is obviously not the ideal either, right? Because when God makes Adam and Eve, right, we see the story happen. And he, the first human song was a love song of just like rapturous praise of, of his wife. Like, I think there has to be that involved. But again, um, what would you, this me because that, what would you rather have, right? If I was see a, see a woman who I would find attractive and has sort of, None of the qualities that I want, obviously, I'm like, not even going to go there. But if I had a person who I didn't find, you know, intolerable <laughs> in my, you know, sort of surface level preferences, but had every character of a godly spouse, well, when we're 75 and still trying to do life together, that's just what I'm, what I'm going to want. Like, Em and I saw her sort of joke every so often. This is going to sound kind of morbid, but like, you know, if one of us died, what would happen? And I remember earlier on, there is a friend of mine who were like, we, we would choose her because she was faithful and loving and good and kind, like everything you want in a spouse. I just didn't find her attractive at all. And, you know, is obviously not a threat to, to Emily in any way because, you know, that just sounds weird. But you know what I mean? You know what I mean, right? Yeah. But she's like, if like I'd want you to be with someone like her if, if I was gone because of all the character that was there. And the same thing with Emma. Like, if she were to remarry, I would want her to be with a guy. Now, she just says she doesn't want to get remarried, but I'd hope that she finds someone who will cherish her and love her and honor her. And if he happens to be attractive, so be it. Hopefully not more than I am to her, but, you know, that's where my even postpartum insecurity would come out. But I, I do think that when I post met... Postmortem. Postmortem. Wow. Post... I'm thinking about babies right now, people. Um, I, hey, I got two kids. There's so many babies happening at church right now. I have not had a kid. Oh, love is in the air. It is, man. Dave and Laura, congrats on Benjamin. Yeah. Um, cute Woo. little baby. So when I met Emily, um, it basically was godly woman. I did find her attractive, obviously, but um, it grew to this thing of I, I appreciated the woman she was, which, and it sounds so cheesy, but it did make her more beautiful. And that's the thing, like, I don't think people realize is that I've, I've like, the, the longer I am with her, I like, I remember being at a wedding one time and I heard like a husband and wife, they were married for like 30 years. And he's like, you know, every day you just get more beautiful and more beautiful. And I'm like, cut the crap, bro. Like you're saying it cause it's a wedding. Mm -hmm. And now that I've been married, I'm like, that's actually so true. You actually see them so differently and so much more beautifully. So for me, it was, I really did feel Jesus said, we need to get married. Like we do believe God prompts us and leads us. Mm -hmm. And so there was that part of it. Um, but part of it was like, I just think this is like, why would I not? Like, there's there just this thing. It's like, why would I not make this happen and love you and, and do that? And obviously she wanted to back because that's consent is a big thing here, right? Yep. Make sure that she actually wants to reciprocate this. But you know, when people ask me, like, how did you know? Like, well, if you've been dating someone for like three years and you don't know by now, the answer is no. Mm. I'm just put, like, I'm just going to make that statement. Like yeah. if you are still like, I don't know. It's been three years. If they have not shown themselves to be worthy of your commitment, maybe it's time to go find somebody else. Mm. Now, that's not to say you know, that you have to date less than that. Like, Emma and I dated for five years, but I basically asked her to marry her about a year in. I was like, so when's this happening? And she's like, at 27. I'm like, that's not happening. We're going to go way earlier than that.
But it wasn't like I had to wait. Her character was her character. And as it had to grow, so as mine did, like, I could see the woman that God was making her to be. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted. Right? Yeah. Yeah, like, I think, I think for me, it's not that, like, I don't want anyone to walk away with the impression that, like, it's just going to be the one perfect one. And, like, it's, like, I have this, like, unrealistic realistic expectation. Like, I do think I'm going to actively choose someone. Like, that is how I see this going. Just think there's, like, a certain threshold of, like, certainly godliness, but, I mean, also attractiveness, which you would also say. Yes, like, they are, Attractiveness is what brought you and your wife yeah. together, initially. probably. Initially. Yeah. And it's obviously not what sustains it, but... But see, but, but the thing, this is where I would I would argue is sort of against potentially the kind of, like, dating apps right now is her attractiveness to me was in the context of an environment. It wasn't a picture. I saw her at church. Yeah. I saw her in a space mm-hmm. where... Her, her character could legitimately mix with her attractiveness to me. And so it wasn't it, it wasn't removed. It wasn't an isolated thing. Um, and I think that's where I could say attractiveness is so important, but in a different way than, you know, going on a dating app where it's just all swiping, if that makes sense. Yeah, when you said that, I was thinking of um, Kayla came to my guest lecture the other day, and this guest lecture was like, he was physically attractive and we were both like wow then he started (laughs) yeah 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 anyways then he started talking and he was so boring and we were like oh immediately we don't care like yeah just a testament to like physical attractiveness is very like it's not it's the physical attractiveness is not that important like the attractiveness of the qualities that like point them to God, like their personality and everything else. Yeah, just to echo what you're saying. Well, and, and again, I think they're like, I try, I'm trying to think about this too. Is what like I I know it's nice to look at beautiful things, but I think we need to dig deeper into why we just tend to drift in that value so so much, right? Like, like what what do we think we are gonna gain by having this amazingly attractive spouse? Like, and because again, is it, is it attractive to me? Is it attractive to like Instagram? Like I obviously think Emily's attractive in general and to me specifically, I would, I would argue that, but even if she wasn't, but I found her attractive. Like, yeah. Is like, I, like that is the most important thing. And I think, I actually think what's inside can like, can actually make you see them maybe as being more attractive than if you had just seen a picture of them. Like mm-hmm. if you know them well, that actually like augments their physical attractiveness in some weird way. Like that's, that's what I think. So it is a whole package that it's the yeah. whole package. Definitely. Oh, the whole package. It's what you're looking for. What you're looking for. Yeah. Well, at least we can all agree on that. Yeah. And, and even when you think about trying to initiate a relationship, right? I think this is something that again, I I will tell you know guys you know be brave and and go say hi and, and to a girl like be nice and if you know I'm even okay if you're like boy we need to go on a date do it but um like for you guys is it do you think that there is enough like and this is gonna be kind of a bigger conversation but actual ability for you guys to know how to have a conversation and be rejected maybe in that or like. It, asking someone on a date is a risk, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And you find that, like, Leah, as a woman right now, that men do that well for you? Or, like, it's just, like, this is so awkward, I'm just going to say no. And Sam, like, do you find it difficult to engage that? Like, where where are you guys at emotionally in that regard? Like, even going on a date itself, like, 
like for me, dates were coffee. I went out for coffee. That's what that's what I did, and, and I called it coffee because it was it's not technically a date then. <laughs> it doesn't go well. Um, yeah, like I think at this point, it's not as hard for me as it was when I was a few years younger to ask someone to go for coffee, and I would always ask just to go for coffee so I can get to know you before I would ever call it a date. Mm. Like I think, I think before I'd be even comfortable approaching it like that, um, I would want just to genuinely figure out if I'm even interested or not. Like to me, like actually going and having a conversation is the first step to really figuring out if uh, this is worth even pursuing, if it's worth even your effort. So I don't like, I, I think I would be comfortable. I mean, I have been, I have asked people to go for coffee before just to get to know them a bit. And um, that to me is pretty risk free. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think I need to be nervous about that at all like guys and girls who are single can be friends and that's okay too and uh if there's a mutual feeling of chemistry like i think you'll be comfortable maybe taking it to the next step and asking them out on a date now i've only really been i don't know it's i was in a relationship like last year so it's like i haven't been at this for a long time but i would say that like coffee is cool do it more yeah I would I would agree with what you're saying that like for me my hope is that it would almost be it almost feels like it would just be more natural to like don't like yeah like what you were saying before like some random person just like will you go out with me on a date I don't see that as necessarily non-threatening like <laughs> I have no idea who you are type of thing like I I think this is maybe an idealization but like I want to just be friends with somebody and then like see if we can like connect on on that level and then if like what you were saying like if there is something more like if there's a chemistry there like yes you can pursue that more but like straight up yeah and when you do ask somebody out don't make it like awkward and weird like coffee is coffee is cool like you can do just make it like no pressure type thing because like I and to be clear, I've never been on a date and I have had like a few offers and they just came across as like, no, like you're not making me want to go out with you. Mm. So how come? M partly me, partly me like interpreting them as like, this is creepy and partly me yeah. being like, I don't think I would. So maybe, maybe it's me not giving them a chance, but to be fair, like I feel like I have a pretty good judge of character. So mm. I, I don't want to just like, I don't want to lead somebody on too and be like, yeah, yeah, I'll go hang out with you one-on-one. -on -one. Like when I feel, I feel like I know what your intentions are when I have no intention of mm -hmm. reciprocating those feelings. So I don't know. I don't know how a dude would go about that in a way that I would be receptive <laughs> to unless we're just like friends and it happens naturally. He just leans over one day and kisses you. It's like, no, <laughs> just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. I feel like advice. we just like, we all need to come to a, a mutual like understanding of what, <laughs> of what coffee is and what it is not. <laughs> well, just be clear. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, be clear with what you want. yeah, I think, yeah, that's definitely a great strategy. It's like, Hey, you want to go for coffee like i'd love to get to know you and that doesn't it mean it definitely indicates interest i don't necessarily think it indicates attraction and do you think that though there is maybe a, a culture that's built even in the christian world of like a coffee is a big deal mm. 
Yeah, I think Christian. I think Christian people have made it into a big deal. Yeah. Like, oh, co- like I've heard a lot of like of my single friends be like, he asked you for coffee. Uh, when's the wedding? Like that type of thing, which I also think like being a single person. I it can be a bit tiring hearing the question over and over and over again. Like, do you think oh, you have to so- hide then, kind of like your relationships because you don't want to just go through that? If you were like, we're going on a date, would you actually tell someone? Or, or you- uh, would I tell someone? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I would tell like one person and be like, don't tell anybody. And then if it goes well, I'll be like, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think in Christian culture, especially, it's like everybody's getting married young. Not we do. Yeah. yeah. And ever like that, it's just like the hot thing to ask someone. The hot thing, the cool thing, like, oh, are you in a relationship? Oh, well, are you talking to anybody? Well, why not? Well, yeah, like, don't you yeah. want to get married? You're so, single and young. So do you think young. that? And I, I know it's a leading question, so whatever. But that somehow singleness is, you know, a bad thing. It's looked upon, looked down upon in the well, church. Well, we all know the. Well, okay, yes. It's not a bad thing, by the way. But, but yes, yeah, and, yeah. Again, why? Like as a single, like again, I'm not single. So when I talk about it, I'm talking about it from more of a pastoral approach and trying to remind people that it's not bad. But like when you're processing and hearing even me maybe give a sermon on it. Like, what are you actually taking in in that moment of like, yes, I'm single, whatever, right? One thing I'm really glad you don't do is talk about your smoking hot wife, like a lot of pastors do. They don't, they they use that that phrase. And uh, are you call my wife smoking hot right now, Sam? No, what I'm saying is, <laughs> pastor. Yeah, I'm, I'm quoting. Not? I'm quoting actual pastors. Sam, what are you doing right now? I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm quoting like Carl Lentz. You know what's funny is actually. That. A joke though, like a good server setup, is to be like talk about your wife like that. Then if someone doesn't agree, like you know, it's come on. It's, it's, it makes it awkward. I, I, you've done that at least once. I did I that one time yeah. at, a, at a past church. I definitely okay. did. You bring yeah. up topics in another awkward way. <laughs> I do other things, man. I got my other. Yeah. Anyways, it's not about me. So anyway, um, yes. what was the, the original question? Was that oh, singleness in the church? Single. Okay. Yeah. So I would say like I don't actually feel a lot of pressure from people who are married in the church. Like it, that's not like. I think the pressure comes from other single people who are like, oh, man, I'm so anxious about this. Like, I'm just like stressing about my singleness right now. It's like, man, don't don't rub off on me. Keep your keep your anxieties about this away from me. I don't want to catch that. So I don't know. Like you find it more from other single people. I'd say other single people like just collectively are like, oh, I'm just trying to find the one, you know, and like, I mean, I just I try not to even talk about that. I definitely I certainly wouldn't talk about it with other single people. Like, I think, I don't know, it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> Why, Because it's nothing to be, like, we're all in this together, and it's nothing to be ashamed we're of. We're all together like, alone. Like, you aren't, you're, yeah, but, like, there, do you yeah. see how many other single people there are? It's not a big deal. Everyone does life at a different pace. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, I think there's, like, because so, Christian people are like, yeah, well, isn't the goal marriage? So, like, what are you doing? And, like, And that's where I would say, like, the goal is not even necessarily marriage like a lot of people get married but a lot of jesus disciples were celibate and like i think i think that's a very western thing that like there is utility in marriage and in the family and like if you think back to like the pioneer days you get married and you have a lot of kids so they can help you plow the fields and and take over the family farm when it's all done like there's a utilitarian aspect to it and that's just like some of that is cultural i think I think... Um, well, but there also is, you know, the first commandment of be fruitful and multiply. 
Yes, but so. but do people so who are single broke a commandment? Yeah, do people who are single break that commandment? Hundred like percent. Well, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, here's the thing: is is I think the like you said, the cultural story that like somehow completeness is marriage yeah. is completely debunked by Jesus, right? He mm-hmm. was a thirty year old virgin who died, right? Like, and so if you can be blessed by God, right, the most blessed person. And die a virgin, right? Like, you don't have to have sex before you die. Right? It's, not, it's not like the the worst thing to happen. Like we kind of kind of make it out. To consummating me. your marriage is not consummating your life. Oh, <laughs> write that down. Yeah, fire gonna... emojis all over that one. <laughs> but it, it, but I think there is that that kind of myth. Now I would I do argue that statistically, right, most people are going to get married. Yeah. Right. And so there still is this there is a an imp, kind of implicit pressure in that sense, but. That's why I think Paul makes a good statement of like, you know, celibacy and, and singleness is, in a prolonged sense, is a gift of God, if that is what your call is to. And so when, to me, the issue that is not dealt with well, and maybe there's something that, you know, single people don't wrestle with enough, is that there is a difference between the season of singleness and then celibacy, right? Like the, the long-term goal of this, that for you, you could say, maybe my season is in singleness, although there is the desire in my heart to be married. So marriage in that sense is kind of a goal, not a bad one, a God-glorified one, but no more or less glorifying than if I were to remain single and live for Jesus. And so I think there is that dynamic of, you know, I'm probably good, most likely I'm going to be married. And so then what is, how do I deal with that then inherent pressure of knowing that's probably going to happen versus People not really recognizing the fact that like to be single is a very valuable and life-shaping season. And we just and I think when we make the goal to get out of singleness, then you have the problem. Because I think there's a difference between a goal to get married and a goal to get out of being single. What are you looking forward to? Uh, for the next month what's what's on your calendar that you're just like wowie that's gonna be good and don't say sundays this is the best of the week we all know well my son is turning two when? the day before valentine's day february is a big month for us because we got my son's birthday on february 13th then we have valentine's day february 14th and then the anniversary of our first date um february 16th so, Are you going to combine them all together into we one? We usually combine Valentine's Day and our first date because it's just so close. Um, and then with Weston's birthday, we're doing like a dinner, then a whole big family thing later on. And then Liv's birthday is in March, so like double whammy. So, double whammy, wow. And of course, you know, church. Samuel? Uh, the NHL trade deadline's coming up, so... A lot of... A lot of uh, true, NBA trade deadline's yeah, coming up a lot of this players week, are actually. Get moved around. So when this gets recorded, it'll be last week. So I might not be as excited, but yeah, here we are. Some big moves getting made, big splashes big in splashes. the trade market. So. What What are you guys watching on uh, Netflix right now? Terrace House, Aloha State. Love Coming it. Coming in hot right away with Terrace House. I think people may have start, stopped listening after you start talking about hockey deadlines. Um, I don't actually own Netflix. I ha- own a Bible, and so I read my Bible because I'm a Christian. Uh, yeah, I'm watching The Bachelor. 